You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiance, and her boyfriend walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Terrible Rita. She's got a fucked up story about friendship and murder. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode is going to be Positively Terrible. Hey, Scott. Hey, Rita. Hey, Dan. Dan, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. How are you this week? I am doing well, thank you. I'm so excited for today's episode. Me too. Long time coming on this one. Yeah, it's kind of a special one. Uh, for anyone who didn't catch it, Terrible Rita is uh, someone I've re- referred to in the past as our number one fan, a.k.a. my mother. So, Mom, thanks for being on today. Uh, what are you here to talk about? Talking about finding a friend of mine, discovering her body. You've told me the story throughout our lives. You've, you've found your friend uh, Bernadette as when you were pretty young, she was your best friend and you found her passed away, uh, murdered, actually. So uh, it's a story we're going to dive into that I, I will say before I get into the housekeeping that there's a part of me that feels bad that I don't know more about this. It's something that you've told me about my whole life and just... It's a known fact about you, but I think being part of the the life that I've lived and hearing about it, it was just, you know, quote unquote normal. And now as an adult, I realized I probably haven't asked enough questions about it. So I'm looking forward to doing that today um, as much as much as I can look forward to asking about my mother about traumatic stories anyway. Uh, but really quick, the housekeeping. So just want to remind everyone that our social media is out there that we'd love for you to follow us. You can contact us through social media or through po- the email address podcast at positively terrible.com. We do want to hear from you, hear your stories. Um, you know, let us know if you want to be a guest. We do have a bunch of interviews lined up in the near future. So we're really excited to, to share a little more about those. And we'll be doing that as we start recording them. But also one final reminder on that. I am paying for tattoos. Uh, haven't had anyone actually get one yet. Dan's over here making faces. Cause he told me we wouldn't, uh, I don't, for the record, I don't blame any of you for not wanting a tattoo that matches with Scott's. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is if the hesitation is that you don't want swear words on your body, I will also pay for DFH instead of decent fucking human. Uh, that will be cheaper for me as well. So highly encouraged. Let the world know that you're a decent fucking human. And then by the time this episode is out, the Patreon will be live. I do have it published, actually, but there's not really the content on it that we need it to be. So if you want a copy of our theme song, The Spree, uh, if you want to see extra content, that will be available for a few bucks a month, $3 for just the song. Um, And all right, so let's get started. Let's do it. And also, uh, Scott said that as soon as the podcast stops, when it inevitably goes under after 
I don't know, 16 episodes. We're on, we're on 11 now. Okay. So after 16 episodes, when this thing stops because nobody wants to listen and nobody wants to show up for our stupid interviews, then Scott's also paying for tattoo removal for everybody that got the tattoo. <laughs> but it is not stopping after 16. We've got about 16 interviews that are either scheduled or people who want to schedule still. So we're going to be going strong for a long time. Well, enough about this bullshit. <laughs> Hi, Rita. Hey, Dan. All right, Mom. Yes. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. You might want to talk a little more into the okay. mic, but you're here today to talk about your friend, Bernadette. Yes. Can you tell us how you became friends with Bernadette? Sure. Come from a small town, mm-hmm. thousand people. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I had a, cousin who was in Baltimore and he kept ties with the people from the town I live in. Mm -hmm. And he called me one day and he said that he had a friend who needed a friend. Mm -hmm. And he said, I would like you to reach out to her. And he said, would you do that for me? Mm -hmm. And I didn't ask any questions. I knew the family, you know, we knew everybody and he must've contacted her. There were 10 years difference between right. us. How old were you at the time? I was 14. Wow. And so she was 24 then? Yeah. Okay. So I called her and started to visit her. Mm-hmm. She was uh, divorced. She had a little girl. And she had just come out of a uh, domestic abuse. She was divorced. Mm-hmm. It just really needed somebody not to throw anything in her face, not remind her of the mistakes she's made, Mm -hmm. just be there and listen and support her. And so I did. So, I mean, for anyone listening and for even me, um, it's a little unusual that, you know, your age, I, I, I know a lot was expected of you as a child, that a lot of your childhood was kind of being an adult, but... Do you know why you were the person that that they reached out to? I was very mature for my age. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I started working when I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. My folks had a business. By the time I was 12 years old, I opened that store. It was a confectionery, old-fashioned confectionery. By the time I was 12 years old, I was opening it by myself. I hear they had good cheeseburgers. Delicious. (laughs) (laughs) My dad still wants that recipe, right? Did you ever find that? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Okay. Every date we ended, we had to swing by the store. It was Mm. closed. I had the key. And he would, I'd have to make him cheeseburgers and milkshake, chocolate milkshake. Man, that sounds like a good way to end a shift. (laughs) But, you know, I, I... was just very mature and he was my cousin and okay. asked me to do that for him. And All right. I did. And so you guys developed a relationship. Right. Okay. And, and all we did was, you know, I would go over and visit her. She had a little girl mm-hmm. and uh, we would go, you know, we'd walk to the park. She'd talk. We'd go for rides in the car. There was a town five miles away that had the best, pizza around and we would go uh, we had to be careful mm-hmm. she was not allowed to have friends even though she was divorced when she filed for divorce he broke her jaw 
when she got divorced, he threatened to kill her and her mother. And she said, if he sees you in the car with me, mm-hmm. I don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. So there were times we'd go to the Tasty Freeze ice cream place mm-hmm. and she'd see him and she'd say, get down. Cause this is just five miles away from where we lived. And I did. Were, were, were you scared for, for yourself? You know, that's the thing about being young and dumb. <laughs> I, I didn't, don't remember being scared mm-hmm. scared for her mm-hmm. yeah that's why i asked for yourself but, I, I mean, but no i i don't know i just i didn't expect anything to happen well you're invincible when you're that yeah. age you exactly yeah. but you know he would call her and i i don't even know because taking mine i was 14 but i turned 15 mm-hmm. i don't know about restraining orders Mm-hmm. how common they were back then. Um, but he would call her party lines. Do you guys know what party lines are? What? Part, a party line on a phone. Where yeah, tell us how that works. <clears throat> so many people are on a, on a line and you can pick it up and you can hear the other people talking. That's the town I was in. It took a long time before they had phones that weren't like that. And wait, uh, wait, that's just how you made a phone call? Well, you'd pick up the phone. Yeah, you could dial. So the, You could dial. But okay. we, we had operators at one point. You know, let's say number, please. Uh-huh. What, what was Andy Griffith? What was her name? The Connect me to. Oh, was that what it oh, was? Sarah. Sarah, can you connect me yes. to. Well, that's what we used at one time when I was young. We had to do that. Okay. But in the smaller towns, they had party lines and so like maybe five people would be on the line and you'd pick up the phone to make a call and you could dial Uh but somebody else would be talking on the phone and you couldn't use it and so okay so basically (laughs) if i understand correctly it was like you know a a regular house has a (laughs) has one phone line yes and then anytime somebody picks up the receiver if somebody's on the call you got to hang up and wait So, so this was like sharing a phone line between with, several houses. Yes, I I, I love the, the direction this is going. This is very important <laughs> background, and but I've got more questions. So could you? Is it about phones? Could you? Yes. <laughs> could you like decide like oh we want to have like a group chat like no. let's all get on no okay so it might be different people that were on the line oh yeah if you'd be talking to your party uh-huh. but maybe Dan wanted to use the phone. And he'd hear you, so he'd hang up. You would have to wait till Scott hung up in order to use the phone. Could I now, be a creep and just listen? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because. Oh, my God. And in a small town, you know oh, everybody. Well, you know I what? Know. There was a woman who was always on the phone. And when I was at my grandma's house, she'd say, damn, she's on the phone again. And finally, my grandma would say, well, then let's listen. Because she knew the woman would get mad. Uh-huh. And she would holler, Mrs. Doherty. I know you're listening, and my grandma would say, "Hang up the damn phone." <laughs> but but this part of a party line is important for later on okay. in the story. Okay. But he would he would call. This is the ex. The ex, and he would threaten her, and he would tell her, "I'm going to kill you." I didn't think he. I mean, I knew that he had right hurt her. But did I really think he would kill her? No. Did she? Did she? Did she though? She did. Mm-hmm. She was just—I don't know that she thought he would kill her, but she knew he'd beat her. Right. And 
towards the end, we had a short friendship because we weren't friends that long before this happened. Right. She, there was a guy all of a sudden calling her. She had no idea who it was. And he would ask her out, kind of harassing her on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then the ex would call her and he'd say, I know you're seeing somebody. I, I do believe it was something that he set up. Okay. You know, and and I could hear, I would be there lots of times. We'd watch TV, you know, just, just friends. Right. And then it was... She had her own friends and I had my friends. Sure. Uh-huh. And it was June, June 22nd, 1974. And she said to me, I don't know if you know what an ice cream social is. <laughs> I, oh, I went are, to one once at a library. Okay. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but explain, explain what an ice cream social well, is. We had a, a big park and a, the, like a town band would come. And then like maybe it would be the church, women in the church. You'd get ice cream and cake and you'd sit and you listen to the music so it's just just a a small festival not a real big deal right Right. and they might have them in the summertime like you know once a month or something and probably a bigger deal before everybody had like consistent refrigeration right i'm not that old i know well i know you're not but i think that's (laughs) yeah that led up to it right okay right okay so she had said to me that day, it was a Saturday, and she had said to me, go be with your friends. I wasn't always with her, but I was just the support that she needed. She said, go be with your friends. So I called one of my girlfriends, and Bernadette lived in this apartment. And right next to the depart- the apartment was the pool hall. But when I say pool hall, that's what we called it. It was a place where teenagers hung out. Yeah. You know? And... I went, I was meeting my friend there at six o'clock and I had my hand on the door and I stopped. She was not supposed to be home. And I had the strongest feeling to go see her. And I did. And there's probably, I don't know, 15, 20 steps. And she always kept that door locked. And it was bolted, and and I would have to knock because of her fear. And the door was open. The big door wasn't closed. It was just a screen door. And when I looked in through there, her daughter was 20 months old. And I could see her sitting on the floor. And she had, like, you know, the little golden books or something. She was Mm -hmm. jibber-jabbering and looking at it. I'm sorry. Maybe you said this earlier, too. Was the daughter the... The child of her ex? Yes. Okay, so they had it together. Okay. She was sitting there, and I walked in the apartment, and when you walk in, there was the kitchen. And I don't know if something in me knew. I don't know. I looked to the left, and was the bathroom. Stuck my head in there. The door was wide open, and she wasn't there. I walked into the living room, and the baby's sitting there. Like I said, she's, she's looking at a book. And to the bedroom, to the left, I walked in there. She wasn't there. And I turned around and straight through is the other bedroom. And I saw something laying there. And my first thought was, it, maybe it was her nephew and she was babysitting and he fell and she ran for help. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no. They had a, 
I get emotional. They had a doll, almost like a life size, mm-hmm. you know. Like the one I used to dance with? Yes, yes. <laughs> Three feet tall. And I was thinking that that was the doll. And they drank red cream soda. And so she always drank red cream soda. Mm-hmm. So I thought it spilled. So I started walking in there. And it was her. There was blood all over. I found out later. She and she was face down. Thank God. 32 times. Ear to ear. He slit her throat. And he left the baby in the living room. Wow. So, what do you do? I. You know. It's not easy to scream, especially if you're afraid. At that point, I was afraid. <laughs> you know, at that point, I was afraid. I don't know if I knew she was dead. I mean, I was 15 years old. And you're then shocked. shock. Yeah. yeah. And I remember telling myself, scream, scream. Finally, I screamed. I took off. I left the baby. Didn't even realize it. Ran down those stairs. Went into the pool hall. And this part I don't remember. They said I kept saying baby and blood. So I'm going to back up. Bernadette's brother had moved in with her mm-hmm. as protection. Okay. He was in the pool hall. And the pool hall was downstairs from their yes. apartment or close yes. to it? Steps away, right? Yes. Oh. Yes. The minute baby and blood came out of my mouth, he knew. He took off. There were three other boys high school aid boys that I went to school with and then they took off and I, I kept saying, call the police, call the police. And it's that part. I remember everything up to that. And that when I left, it gets just a little bit foggy. I realized I forgot the baby mm-hmm. and I ran back up and one of the guys stopped me and he said, no, because by that time they flipped her over. Right. And he gave me the baby and I come downstairs, small town, word spread like fire. Yeah. And he, her brother must've called the folks cause they only lived a block away and they were standing there at the bottom of the stairs when I got there. That was her parents? Her parents. Mm-hmm. And they took the baby. And I I had to go back in and the police came, you know. You I'm sorry, you had to go back in? I had to go back in no into the pool hall because oh, okay. that's where the that's kind of where everybody congregated. The okay, police sure. came. That's where they kind of set you know, up shop. And everybody they were sure it was him. Mm-hmm. You know they tried to ask the baby questions and then somebody stopped him. They would say, like, was daddy at your house? She was 20 months. Right, right. You know, and and she's a very smart little girl, but you don't put words. Well, in investigation. You can't do that. I mean, you're just telling them what to say and right. how do you interpret it and all of that. But there was, everybody right. knew it. Well, everybody this, knew. This was 50 years ago. Exactly. Too. Right. So things were a in, bit in different. In a very small town. Did, right. Was it just the local police or did state no, police or it federal? No, was, it was the... Um, County police 
Okay. I don't know about state police, but I do know the next morning the Illinois Bureau of Investigation showed up at my house. Okay. And what they quickly gathered was she had told me that she was, you know, that she was going to the ice cream social. She was going to be there at six. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband, ex-husband, went, obviously did it. Mm-hmm. And then he went to work. He carpooled with a bunch of guys. And he'd gone home and changed. Carpooled to work, but never clocked in. Okay, so that they didn't have record of... He what never clocked. He left. He, yeah. yeah. And oh, oh, wait. Okay. He didn't clock in because he, he skipped was, town? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant to set no. up an alibi. No, like not no. Not physically have a timestamp. And okay. it wasn't even... It wasn't even... Uh, it was a town that wasn't... You know. It was like at least 30, 40 okay. miles away. Okay. So it was his head start. Yeah, it was his head start. What was it like getting interviewed by police? And It was scary. My dad, the night before, my mom called my dad at work. That was something you didn't do, call somebody. Right. And she called and told him there had been trouble and he needed to come home. Mm-hmm. And he came home and he said not to talk to anybody mm-hmm. unless him or my mom were there. Well, that's... Yeah, that's good advice. advice. They didn't listen. (laughs) Police didn't care. Mm -hmm. You know, they showed up. And you feel like you're you're being interrogated. You look like they're trying to find the questions they ask. Like, are they trying to blame you? That's what I was going to ask. Did did you argue? Did you feel like you were helping or like you were... I mean, they have to clear... You were the last... The person who found her. You right. were in that room. Yep. So while everybody knows it wasn't you, they, they have to, right. in theory, l- eliminate every s- potential suspect. How right? well did you get along? Did you ever argue? That kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm 15 years old. My friend was murdered. And and you feel like, are, are they trying to accuse me? Yeah. Right. Did, and did you think that there was any risk, like if you say the wrong thing, that you might have handcuffs sure, put on you? You know, it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary. And then, like I said, my mom and dad weren't there. And did the tone? Did it ever get to a point talking to them where the tone changed? Like, okay, it's not her. Now she can be the person who helps us. Yeah, they they did ask what I knew, and I didn't. I didn't know a lot. I admitted that I heard him threaten mm-hmm. her on the phone. I told them what I knew, what everybody in town knew. Right. You know, and I just had that one uh, was investigated by them that one that one time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I I cannot imagine the, the what the brother feels felt for being the one who's there to protect her and being steps away from the fucking house right yeah did did you know him yeah did do you think he recovered i yes but i'm gonna tell you that every year on the anniversary of her death he worked with your dad and every year on the anniversary of her death he's off so i know it's something he thinks about 
the strange thing is her family didn't talk about it. Yeah. It was like, almost like it was a secret, but it wasn't. Everybody yeah. knew, you know, that if you talk about it, it didn't happen, but it did. But does our family talk about <laughs> Aunt Kathy being murdered? I do. You do, but. I do. I've never talked to anyone else in the family about it. That's because your dad's family is like ostriches. They stick their heads in the stand <laughs> and don't want to. Tune I, in next week to hear the exciting <laughs> tale about Aunt Kathy. <laughs> um, yeah, there's been some trauma in the family, but it's smooth oh, sailing of- right now. It's smooth <laughs> sailing right now. Um, okay, so how, like. How quickly did it change? You said you were interrogated the the one right. day. I mean, was was it within that one day that they're like, okay, we're turning all of our attention toward the ex? Yes. Okay. And they followed up on him having gone to work, and they talked to the guys that he rode in the car with. Uh huh. Apparently, the week before, and this I might be a little bit off on time. The week before, he threatened his mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. They went. Okay. His own mother. His own okay. mother. He went and he, they found his bloody clothes in the washing machine oh, wow. at his mom's house. So they didn't find him for a week. And her wake and her funeral, they had it staked out. And for a week, I was terrified because I also had people saying, if it weren't for you finding her. Maybe he'd have had more time. Yeah, I was wondering to get away. if if you were scared. I slept with my dad hmm. for that week because I felt safe. Right. Well, Grandpa was a big guy too. Yeah, he <laughs> he would not have let any anything happen. Right. You know, I would if I was home alone, I'd grab a knife and keep it like in the bathroom in the when I'd take I a can't bath. Believe but that you I had wouldn't have used time it. I'm home alone. Well. Because my family moves on. They don't pay attention to that yeah. stuff. They don't. Everybody assumed that I could handle it. And for the most part, I did. But I mean, you handled a lot because ex- you were required to handle a lot. I know that. It, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't mean you handled it <laughs> no, in a way right. that was healthy in processing right. and right. all of that. And, right. And, and, I, and in I, those times, people didn't as much as, as they try to today. Either. Right. But I did. I grabbed a knife from the kitchen, and I laughed because I couldn't have used a knife. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've always heard that if you have a knife, it should not be anything bigger than you want to get stabbed <laughs> with, because the odds of someone taking that knife and turning it around on you are pretty high. Again, I was fifteen years old. Oh, I I, I don't blame you. You know, I I don't but blame you. Afraid to go places and do things. Mm-hmm. You know, they caught him at the end of a week. Okay, so it was a week later. Yep, Where'd they it, catch him? I'm, I honestly don't know. There, the town I grew up in is hilly. Supposedly, he was hiding out in the hills. I don't know. I really. <laughs> the hills of Illinois. Yes. They do exist. A lot of people don't believe that. Yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> people think it's flat. 98% of the city is very <laughs> yeah. flat. The, the area where my mom grew up and even there's where hills I grew all up, over. there's the yeah. valley, Illinois yes. Valley and all of that. Yeah. So, you know, they. They arrested him. Everything just started to fall in place. Uh, 
the they evaluated him. They did an inquest, you know, that's the first part, mm -hmm. decided it was homicide. Then he had to be get a psych evaluation. And then he had a trial. This is the crazy part. Well, oh, I, I'm interrupting right before the crazy part. I'm good at that. This episode's going to suck. Now. Uh, they all do. So I, I'm sorry. So you'll get to the great crazy part in a second. But did you work? Did the prosecution? Were you a witness? Were you, did yes. they? Okay. Yes. They. Again, my parents wanted to be, be there. And they would come and pull me out of school. They being who? the the state's attorney. And I'm going to tell you, I can tell you the guy's name. He was horrible. <laughs> and he gave a lot of bad advice. But it's you're, you're talking small town area. Right. Sure. You know, and to this day, I am very suspicious of some things that happened during that trial. Yeah. Because he got a he got a public defender, but the guy had retired and moved to Florida. Why did he come back for something like this? His public uh, defender was he retired? Retired and came back for this. And that's what I don't understand. Because yeah. there was no money to be made. Right. Uh, I, that's Yeah, that's you something know, fishy. Fishy. I, I can to understand. me, it was. Maybe not, but I can understand. Right. It doesn't feel right. But they would come. They would get me out of school. And along with the guys that were the carpool and her brother. That That's all they had. Right. And they would talk to us, you know, and one of the stipulations with my folks was they were supposed to know they would call, but they weren't allowed there. Um, the trial, we were going over questions and stuff. And all of a sudden they said, Oh, we're going to trial today. Okay. I said, I, I have to let my folks know. Wow. They just like come with us. Yeah. And, and you're okay. I was already there, but we were oh, going okay. over statements, you know, didn't let me use a phone. I had to use a payphone call collect. And you just said, Mom, I'm at the court and hung up. I said, they're going to trial. <laughs> this is a collect call from Mom, I'm at the court. Yes. They're going to trial. <laughs> you and, know. And was the courthouse local? It, it was a, yeah, it was a, not in my town, but a, a couple of towns over. Okay. Okay. You so, know. So how did you get there? I mean, you were 15. The I'd, police. Okay. <laughs> So were you gossip? I mean, of course there was gossip. Um, oh, sure. Did people, what did you like your, your fellow students think when you're getting pulled out of class, who would come into the class? Would it be like the principal or would like a it, police officer? It, come would, it would be the state's attorney would call and they would have a police. And this is how backwards they were. They told me to go and talk to my principal. And tell him what was going on. <laughs> yeah. So I went in and I well, talked to... From what I understand, you were very experienced at this type of stuff. <laughs> yes. I, I went and I talked to him. And he said, well, I don't know the story. I wasn't here at that time. You need to tell me. Basically, uh -huh. he just wanted to know. Sure. And so I told him and he says, what if I tell you no? I said, well, they said you're going to... They're going to take me anyway. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't imagine. And in the, in the, so... How long after arresting him was this taking place? You know, I, I want to say within a year. Seriously, I okay. I have a hard time. You know, as a kid, I didn't get the newspaper articles, uh -huh. and now fifty years later, it's, it's hard to yeah to get them. So, did you during the interim? 
like you said, a, around a year or less than a year. Was there a time when like things were normal in your life? Again? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then as it starts approaching trial, things start right. getting weird again because right. they're coming to talk to you. Right. And then, so the, the trial starts, I, uh, I think that's where you were at yes. when you were about to say the crazy part is. So, you know, it's not like law and order. Everybody thinks it's just so we're talking small town America. Right. I'm sitting there I, they ask questions, you know, I identify him. I tell my story about hearing him on the phone. Now she would hold the phone out because he was screaming. But that was considered hearsay. Yeah. Just hearsay. Didn't matter that I could, you know, it, it was hearsay. I mean, even, I, I don't understand how that works, but you were, right you were there. there. So you were the witness. It wasn't just relaying something she had said. And I believe the laws have changed. Well, I'm not even going to get into that. I'm not a lawyer. Right. <laughs> but. So you so you weren't even allowed to talk about that or you did, they didn't want to they... hear it because it didn't matter. It was hearsay. OK, so one of the things, too, when I was at the inquest. They showed pictures and it, they were people from my town. They protected me. Who's, who's they? I'm sorry. It's a it's a board of of people that they get together they look at the facts they look and decide whether it was homicide okay you know natural cause whatever I mean, this, this, and okay, it, it was and it was some of the town people and they did they protected me by not wanting me to look at those pictures good because yeah. pictures were very graphic right. okay that's not how the court feels yeah so you go into court and you go through all this and they intimated different things like what kind of a relationship did i have her with her so is is the does the defense are you trying to say that like the defense wanted to yes. like do anything to yes throw the blame elsewhere definitely okay. yeah you know um how involved were we mm -hmm. you know um that part was horrible i'm sure and then the pictures you know and I hadn't had to look at the pictures. So now I look at the pictures and it really takes me back. And I started to cry. And the defense attorney was kind of brutal. I can't exactly I mean, that's, remember I that's their job, but... what his words were. Yeah. Oh, he, he didn't think I was uh, able, able to finish. And the judge pretty much told him to sit down and shut up. Let me take my time and get my bearings. And he said to me, can you answer? And I said, yes. So the judge looked at it for, for what it was, you know, and how could a person not be emotional? Right. Can you, I, I just, I have to ask, like, are those pictures burned into your brain? No, I think that, like we talked about shock. Mm -hmm. No, I I think my own defense mechanism, yeah, is kind of blocked that. It yeah. was. Well, I figured it was one or the other. You no. can't get it out, or no, you. I remember see it. every detail of that day like it was yesterday. Yeah. But those, and I. Thank God that I don't. And I thank God I never turned her over. Mm -hmm. 
you know. But it, the the state's attorney at the time advised her family, like, don't go to the trial, you know, stay away. A lot of bad advice. People thought that her family didn't care. And that was so not true. So I'm going to go back to the hearsay and the party line. One of um, his aunt lived in the same apartment building that Bernadette lived in. Okay. And they shared a party line. And the way she told the story, it couldn't have been him because she listened to many of their conversations where she professed her love for him and he never threatened her. And she said anytime she picked up the phone, they were on the phone. That was a lie. I know it was a lie. Yeah. I know how afraid she was. Yeah. And they and chose. And that's not hearsay? No, it was not. So she heard conversations and you or claimed to, and you heard conversations, mm-hmm. but because she had the phone to her ear, it's different? Or because, I, I mean, I, I'm asking questions. I know you don't have the answers I know. to. I know. And is it, you know, we know people say things that they need to say to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that she did tell him that she loved him just to appease the situation? No, because if she got sucked back in, it, there's just, he'd done too much to her. Yeah, she, and they were already divorced at this They point. were already divorced. Yeah. It, it was an abusive relationship. Right. You know, when she'd finally had enough, she never said it, but she had to think that he was going to kill her at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, that that it would just progress that far. So all this bad advice, lots of, you know, he didn't have much testimony, but they had that. The trial was a couple days. Um. Now, laws have changed, but his sentence was one year. And he was declared um, incompetent, and his sentence was not to exceed one year in a facility. Did he Did he serve all year? <laughs> I mean... Yes, he did. Okay. Not, not that that's any he consolation. When, when that happened, I was in school. When, what you mean when he got when the he, sentence? When he got the sentence. Okay. And I figured by the time he got out, I'd be long gone. Right, right. I wasn't going to stay in that town anyway, you know, and I would be long gone. Mm-hmm. And the school secretary came down and found me and took me out and let me know what the sentence was. And what did you think? I fell apart. Then I was scared because I'm thinking, you know, one year, one year. That's all he got <laughs> yeah, for what I, he did. I mean, I, as I'm hearing this, I, I can't help but think that as 15 years old, that you're losing faith in everything. Yeah. The justice system, relationships. Um, I mean, it. I, this, every, this is a... F- <laughs> If there's a fucked up story we've had, this is it. <laughs> so when he gets out, what what is it like? 
I mean, did you find out, like, the, did you know the release date? Somebody, they were supposed to let us know again. Um, somebody let the school know. I don't know if it was my mom. Mm -hmm. um, the school secretary, again, told me. And, and I was scared. Mm -hmm. But he went to Aurora. Okay. And he had to, the only good thing that came out of it, he had to sign off his parental rights to his daughter. Mm -hmm. So who raised her? Her grandparents. Did he, did he even want to? I mean, would he have? I doubt okay. it. The sad part is the grandparents raised her as though she was their daughter mm -hmm. and erased everything about her mom. Did and she, I mean, did she know? She has to know. She has to know. I had always hoped that one day she would seek me out mm -hmm. and ask me questions about her mom, mm -hmm. but she never has. But I did, from one of her cousins, talk to my sister and, and said, would you talk to her about this murder? And the girl came and talked to me, and she said, we have this she says, it's family secret, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's something that nobody will talk about. And she said, will you talk to me? And I said, yes. And we had a conversation. I told her what I knew. And she thanked me, and that was the last. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, I, I think that I might have heard something wrong. I thought you said your sister. My sister came to me. She knew this this girl went to my sister oh, okay. because she knew that it was her sister that found her aunt Okay, got and it. didn't. And, and my sister said, would you, would you talk to her? So this would have been the niece of your friend. Yes. I mean, how yes. did you feel talking about it? I want somebody from, there's a lot more yeah. in the background, yeah. you know, that, that took place. I would like, somebody in her family to ask questions yeah. to me it's like she didn't exist and dad and i went and saw her um tombstone because i knew i was going to do this mm -hmm. you know and god he's 25 you know i don't really have a chance to live and nobody acknowledges it and you can see, I can still get choked up over. Well, I have them over here, too. So, to have lived a life and not kind of be acknowledged is so sad. So sad. But life goes on. I, I'll I tell you, some of your guests have talked about faith, and I believe... Yeah. I believe I had my hand on that door and something compelled me to not go in, to, to go next door. And I'll tell you, I felt like she protected me for a long time. I felt like there was an yeah. angel on my shoulder, you know, and then one day it was gone. And I said to my husband, I think things are over, you know. Well, if I could be the one to point out, she's not forgotten. No. Like, here you are talking about her and telling her story. 
Yeah, and, you, and you've... We can't control what other people do. No. We can't control how her family deals with things. But you have not forgotten. No. And, and you've you've told us about her your our entire lives. You've kept her... Alive. Yeah. And, you know, it was a short-lived friendship. But meaningful. But meaningful. And all at the request of somebody that moved far away, but she had reached out to because she needed somebody. And I will say half of our audience is in Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad we got to share. My voice just cracked. I'm glad we got to shout out Baltimore in this episode. Um, Wow. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know where to take it from here. Dan, do you have any questions <laughs> to, to move forward? I, I I don't know that I have any questions. I think it's a it's a compelling story about a person that clearly had an impact on your life. I mean, it sounds like you loved her. Definitely. Um, the short amount of time that you had with her. It sounds like she didn't have an easy life. No. Nope. Um, I mean how I don't know how old she was when she got married, but she must have gotten married pretty young. Mm-hmm. Had a child with somebody that was clearly problematic. Um, and come, came from a family that wasn't capable of uh, communicating about difficult things. So I can't imagine. She must have really liked the time she had to spend with you. I hope so. I hope so. I just wish just once, and I won't be the one to reach out, that I could talk to her daughter. Yeah. And I get that. And I hope you get that. But if you don't, that's okay, too. Yep. And I can understand the, the that might be the ultimate closure. Right. Right. But you go ahead, Dan. Well, how much more time did you spend in the town? Did you get to see her daughter from afar? Uh, you know, she was a baby and I was a teenager. And, and sure. sadly, life goes on. Right. You know, um, so no, I didn't get to see her because I spent three more years in that town and then I left. Mm-hmm. So I... I never saw her again. And then you had wonderful family. So I think it's time to take this to the positive. <laughs> Definitely. Like you said, life moves on. Life moves on. Uh, you moved away, got married, had some wonderful, wonderful kids. Children. <laughs> and I mean, one of them has a podcast. So hey. <laughs> life is pretty, It's it's been pretty fucking good since. Can't get any better. <laughs> Um, how has it impacted? I mean, is there a positive that you can take from it though? Is it the knowing her? I mean, is there that? Is there, is there anything you look back at and just want to smile about? You know, I can take comfort in the fact that we did have fun. There was somebody for her to talk to, somebody to listen to. Somebody to laugh with. Mm-hmm. 
And so in that short length of time that, that I was her friend, she had that. Yeah. She well, didn't, she didn't have to feel, she didn't have to hide from anybody. She had a friend. She had somebody that she can talk to and be comfortable yeah. with. Well, and, and you did too. I mean, I, I'll say something about me is that when I was growing up, remember that I would, I mean, I remember on going on the paper route with Roger, I'll, I'll okay. just say his name. He's no longer with us either. Um, and I was like in fourth grade and he was like an eighth. And it was like, I couldn't relate to people my own age. It was like this weird, like I was, a, I was born an old man. We can talk about those stories another time. <laughs> But I I couldn't relate to people my own age, and I'm guessing that with your that you had to be an adult as a child. Not I didn't have to be. I just was born that way. Right. But a lot was expected of you. So was was that helpful that you had someone that was of a, an older age that was more mature that had to actually live as an adult? Could you relate to her more than some of the children your age? Oh, definitely. You know. I didn't relate to kids my age because yeah. I did work. Um, when this is a funny story, I was probably it was probably later that year because time does go on. You you go on with your life. I hung around with girls that were I was a freshman in high school, mm -hmm. and they were going to be I was going to be a freshman. They were going to be seniors. Mm -hmm. I've always lied when I was young about how old I was. Yeah. And I hung around with those girls and oh, we went. Is that how you met my dad in a bar when you were? 16, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the yes. story they told when we were kids was at a bowling alley. And oh, I guess oh, it was shoot. a bowling alley probably. No, your dad went to the bowling alley. He came back and met me. That's a whole other story. But I hung around with these girls and one of the girls got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And she ended up, go they went to a different high school. So she came to the high school that I went to. And she said, Rita, how come we don't have any classes together? She was a senior. <laughs> I had to confess. They did, I just always said I couldn't get the car. Hell, I wasn't even driving age. I always hung around with older people. The customers in the store were 20, 30 years older. I, right. You know. Well, and I mean, let's be fair. You were driving at that age when grandpa would come home yes, and yes. from his long day at work and want to sleep in the passenger seat, but wanted to go out for, for food. Right. Yes. Isn't that the way it worked? Yep. So you, you were, you were a well-experienced yes. child, uh, woman child. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, um, like I said, you know, we, we like to, to leave on a higher note and, and get to the positive positively terrible uh stories and you know what tell us a little bit about the good like i i, I threw out your children i mean uh <laughs> you you were definitely someone who wanted to mother um like nurture uh, most of the time <laughs> most of the time sometimes smother but you can't spell mother with uh, smother without mother <laughs> You know, I've had a lot of things happen to me in my life. I've had to be strong. Uh -huh. And that was just one of the first things yeah. that equipped me, you know, prepared me for what life had to offer. Yeah. And I don't look at the negative things. I mean, I get mad, just can have a quick temper sometimes. You? But, 
<laughs> but it's over. Dan, I'm learning so much about him. <laughs> but it's over. I know. We we might occasionally yell at each other, yes. and then five minutes later, we're laughing. Yes. So, you know. Yeah. And look, I hate that you had to go through that. I mean, that I have had... I've had an easy life. And like, I know that sometimes you don't even believe that um, with this, with, with the whole, you know, that one 18 year span of my life. Yes. Um, but I've had it easy. And a lot of that, you and dad made it easy for us as easy as you could. And, you know, I think that you took a lot of lessons from the way you were raised and said, we ain't doing that. Exactly. And I think that's where the positive is that, you know, we've all got our flaws for sure. I know that you've said that you'd do some things differently and that's okay. You can't. And like I said, I got a podcast. I think you did pretty well. (laughs) And I, I will say that like when we were young and poor, like I didn't know we were poor and that was a small part of our lives. And I know that you guys, would always say that like you 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 don't we were the most important things and you sacrificed for us and that's what parents are supposed to do yeah so after i made 44 my 44th trip around the sun as of yesterday uh i guess i'll say thank you um i know that you sometimes think that shit's been hard for me and there are hard days but you know you set us up very very successful people and it's because you guys always supported us. We're very proud of you guys. Um, but yeah, so uh, thanks for being on. Um, is there anything else that you want to say, Mom? I'm I think you, you guys. On the spot. No, I I am very proud of both of you guys. I think you're doing a great job. I would really like to meet your guests. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the next offer: tattoos uh, or lunch with my mom. There you go. If you were a guest on this show and want to have lunch with my mom, I will pay for it. Just make sure that it's no higher than fast casual. <laughs> no, you guys are you guys are doing a great job. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. We're having a good time. And, you know, the, the only other thing that I want to say, other than thank you for being here and uh, frankly sharing a hell of a story, is that I, I, one of the positives I see is that you had a friend with a tough life. Um, and your presence in her life clearly made it better. I hope so. Whether you were there or not, you know, you have nothing to do with what happened before or how it ended. Right. Thank you. Yeah. You clearly made a positive difference in her life. All right. I second that. And I think she was lucky to have you. And I think you were lucky to have her. And like I said, you raised us well. I think we were lucky to have you too. So you're 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 a decent fucking human, uh, I think, uh, except for when we're fighting. But, you know, we get over it. We get past it. And then you come on my podcast. So thanks for being here today. I had a lot of fun. Uh, well, fun, fun might be the wrong word for today, but I think that this was important. So thanks for being here. As usual, it has been absolutely positively terrible. I met you back at Tonica's fest I confess I was nervous and stressed Because I thought you were the best I was right And that night we got into a water gun fight That I won, I shot you in the face It was fate I offered you a spring You declined
guess I was nervous and stressed because I thought you were the best I was right. Positively Terrible is a part of the Terrible Podcast Network.